0: Hey, Prof, can I say, it's been a long time since you and I have uh, locked horns over issues the way we have today. I'm, I'm, uh, I think we'll be getting some positive cards and uh, letters. Um, I'm
1: running on no sleep here.
0: <laughs> I'm punchy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thanks to Cryer Malt, a grain of truth in every podcast. This is Good Brews Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and joining me today, welcoming uh, him, it's the newly appointed editor of Australian Brews News, it's <laughs> Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Pete. How are you? G'day, Matt. I'm very well. Uh, for those who don't know, um, basically the music stopped and you couldn't find a chair, so you're the new uh, editor of Australian Brews News, which we might come back to a little bit later in the program. Sure. Matt, making news this week. There's not a lot happening, but um, I'm sure we'll manage to drag it out to at least 40 minutes. Stone and Wood puts dates in their cans. Sorry, I'll read that again. Stone and Wood puts dates on their cans. On Sorry, their I'll read that again. <laughs> Stone and Wood put puts dates on their bottles. And the internet goes into meltdown. What are the best <laughs> beers in Australia? Discuss. And are you okay? Let's talk about it. Matt, bit of news this week. Um, Stone and Wood, not... Uh, you know, oh, we're putting dates on bottles. That's great, but um, it's a little bit different because they are Australia's second largest independent brewer, and because they've um, put packed on dates on their products. Yeah, and
0: uh, this is one that we uh, that anyone that was listening to the uh, was at our chat in um, Melbourne during Good Beer Week. Uh, was one of the areas that we looked at best before dates what they mean what retailers look and you know where the package dates um and we had a little whisper um that stone and wood were doing this um but didn't really run with it too much since in in the news because um you know stonewood hadn't officially announced it so um but anyway Wood has come out they've joined the growing number of breweries adding packaged on dates to its beers which uh you know i think is a terrific bit of news um they are Australia's largest independent brewery, brackets, outside of Cooper's. Um, and the fact that they are doing that, I, I think, is a fairly significant um, shift towards greater transparency about uh, how old beer is when it's sitting on the shelves.
1: Yeah, and, and just giving consumers who are, we, we have to admit, and we often talk about, you know, oh, back in my day, but seriously, go, going back, if, if you and I were to put together the number of changes and the quantum leaps we made know, the last 10, 15 years in Australia, we've seen greater growth and uh, dynamic movement in this um, thing called beer, um, the, the whole, the broad category than we have in the 120 odd years prior to that, that we've been drinking beer. Um, and one of the things I've noticed that that really has changed is the consumer is a lot more savvy. There's a lot more information and podcasts like this and uh, and all the other ones that we often tip our lids to are responsible for, for that, for, for sharing the the knowledge. Obviously, social media and the you know the fact that the World Wide Web has gone worldwide now um, means that we've got access to a lot more information. We're a much smarter sort of thing. So even, I guess, best before dates, really, apart from the commoditized sort of beer, um, it was the norm. But now... You know, things are shifting. And we'll be running the podcast um, fairly shortly,
0: um, but that's that's what our discussion panel in Melbourne was looking at. You know, the beer distribution and retail system grew up around a highly concentrated beer production system that went to highly concentrated distribution centres out nationally. So, you know, beer had a long journey through the logistics chain. Um, and so there was, you know, it did take time for for beer to get into the consumer's hands. But at the same time, you know, the, the, the um, lagers that for the 30 or 40 years up until um, the, the, this current craft beer wave dominated the market were you know, had become increasingly shelf-stable. They didn't need preservatives or antioxidants in, in the bottle. Um, you know, packaging had become so good um, and pasteurisation and all of those things meant that beer could easily be of an acceptable quality Uh, you know up to 12 months and even longer um, sitting on the shelves yes you're going to start getting some you know slightly stale notes coming in but it's still going to be acceptable quality craft beer has come in and you know the hop compounds that we love and have driven the growth of the craft beer market are highly volatile and you've got a lot of brewers um, saying that you're not going to get a great hop profile in a beer because of that after about 90 days um, and so you, th- th- there has been that disconnect between apparently brewers say that their distributors and their retailers want longer best before dates because consumers get a little bit antsy. Consumers have been conditioned to look at a beer and it generally has, you know, if, if they're buying it five months after it was packaged on, it'll still have a seven month um, code left on the best before date and they'll think, I've got plenty of time. If they've been conditioned in that system, and they pick up a craft beer that maybe has a three-month best before date, and it's only two months old, but it's only got one month left on the um, date before it's best before, they're going to go, oh, this is old beer.
1: Yeah, they look at what's what's left rather than what's been.
0: And there's been absolutely no standard for uh, you know what that best before date was. A lot of uh, you know, big brewers put 12 months, a lot of craft brewers that I would argue probably shouldn't, Are putting 12 months on um you've got stone and wood putting 270 i think little creatures puts 270 on but then you've also got you know some english brewers um, that have one and a half uh year uh, or longer and then you've got belgian beers that you know (laughs) i've seen some recently that have you know best before 2022 um and for consumers who aren't as sophisticated as people who are very engaged in it, it's, it's very very very, very confusing. Um, so yeah. uh, anyway so yes yeah, so, so so that that's that's a story um, and I think it's you know I, I thought that yes, a lot of uh, small craft brewers have been doing that for a while, but
1: stone and wood doing it. yeah the key, the key to this story really is that it's that it's it's a, a highly respected um, you know it's kind of I guess in our caper. They are closer to the pinnacle in terms of uh, reach, in terms of influence, in terms of um, distribution and all those sorts of things. And uh, it's a lead that presumably is more likely to be followed than if, um, you know, ABC Brew Pub in um, Whoop Whoop started doing it
0: yeah i mean if dapto lager puts it on you know fantastic but that's not exactly going to reach the uh the, the and, and i guess the reason we're talking about this is that you know the, the story went up and people started
1: saying oh what is this news and you know well you know it was... That was a good impersonation of james davidson <laughs> <laughs> so i haven't caught up on the forums and that sort of thing but was that was that james
0: no, no, no. There were a couple of other people. James actually just uh, you know, made the point that Bright have been doing it for some time, and I'm sure they have. But I'm pretty sure that uh, Bright's production is you know, probably, you know, one twentieth of what Stone and Woods are. I'd be hazarding a guess.
1: Um, well, I'd also imagine. Well, I, I guess the similarity would be that um, I'm pretty sure from memory was it something like seventy percent of the uh, distribution for Stone and Wood is is sort of within. They're you know 50k's of the brewery something something like that, like whatever the numbers are. Um, they proudly sort of stated that, despite the fact that we do send our beer nationally, the greater percent, the greater um, majority of our beers uh, are consumed locally, and certainly that's probably an even higher percentage with with Bright. Um, although obviously with the new brewery coming in, the idea is that they'll get more beer. Um, out of the, the sort of high country area but at, at, at the moment that's where the similarities lie I think that um, the Bright and Stone and Wood both pretty much sell beers into their backyard.
0: Absolutely and you know and just from a news point of view and, and there's going to be a couple of meta topics uh, in in this podcast just from a news point of view you know you can either cov- cover the 50 individually small breweries that uh, are putting uh, brewed on dates whose volume doesn't add up to what stone and wood producers whose volume together doesn't add up um, or you know when uh, a brewery like stone and wood um, joins that movement um, then that's actually a very significant thing Um, you know prof uh, if i was to ask you the three most significant beers of the australian uh, beer industry over the last 20 years what would you name
1: Oh, jeez. Okay. Well, the, the first two that come straight off the bat without even thinking about it would be Mountain Goat Hightail Ale and Stonewood Pacific Ale. Okay. Because I, I was thinking uh, Little Creatures Pale Ale and Stonewood
0: Pacific Ale are probably the two most influential beers in terms of having an impact on beer drinkers and brewing trends.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Yep. And, no, and, and again,
0: so the, the, the fact take that. that. Yeah, no, and that's the point I was making. So the fact that Stone and Wood do something, um, I suspect that it actually puts a flag in the stand um, and says that it's, you know, and, and we will see other brewers because people are going to start seeing it and they're going to start asking, what does this mean? Um, and, you know, why aren't other brewers doing it? Which puts a lot of, you know, positive pressure on brewers to start considering
1: doing the same thing. Matt, just a quick, uh, a quick one before we move on from that topic. Stone and Wood, Gage Roads, which is the larger of the Australian independent brewers uh, of those two? If we, if we take Coopers with their total think, volume. Yeah,
0: actually Gage Roads is the larger, but they still do a lot of contract brewing. So I'd, I'd uh, hazard a guess that, uh, and, and I was looking at um, Gage Roads this week, but I, I suspect that their production is greater than uh, Stone and Wood. Um, but again, I, I put um, Gage in a bit of a side category uh, because they are listed on the stock market, so they're, publicly, they're a publicly listed company. So I, I still consider them independent, um, but in terms of- Comparing apples with apples. Yeah, of what we think of small little um, you know, family-owned
1: breweries. Family business. The, the,
0: yeah. the Stonewood
1: is a big family. Family business is making days. 16 million litres a year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a big family.
0: But Prof, just 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 before we go on that, um, you know, the the issue of best before dates in terms of educating people. How often do you get asked at your tastings? Um, people go re- comment on the Coopers best after date.
1: Uh, no, I'm not going to say it comes up. Oh really?
0: Okay, because that's that's no. one that I, I I get a lot of people commenting on it. Oh, why do Coopers put on uh, a best after date when other breweries put on a best before date? And um, to me, that really shows the power of those dates on there. Because if it's on the bottle, people ask questions, and if it's a best before date,
1: you don't even look at it, yeah, or use by date. Yeah, you, you could have uh, I'm used to seeing that on everything from you know cheese through to salami.
0: Yeah, and oh, you, you look at it and go, oh, okay, this is okay to drink, as opposed to this beer is fresh, it's going to be free of old flavours, the flavour positive components are still going to be present. None of that is captured in um, you know, the, the best before date, because we're conditioned to think this is safe to drink, or this is acceptable to drink, and... Um Whereas a best before a a packaged on date gets people actually thinking positively about how old this beer is, and I think that that'll get people thinking. Well, what does that mean? In the same way that uh, the the, the, um, best after date, the Coopers has uh, has got people even just ticking over in their head. What does this mean? And uh, and and that's absolutely a great thing as the uh, beer industry changes with these lovely fresh uh, beers.
1: Yeah, for sure. And then there's also. The other topic that came up at the seminar was um, do you put on a packaged on date and then a recommended, you know, best before or best buy?
0: Yeah, and look, rather than uh, hijacking this um, chat uh, too much, it's one that I think we might even do a special, in in addition to the logistics panel uh, panel that we looked at, we might even have a special, um, you know, best on brood before, and, yeah. and determining that chat um, at, at some stage soon because it really is a complex one when you've got people like uh, you know, like Richard um, Crow from Stone and Wood said they put two hundred seventy days on they keep you know I, I think a carton from every run that they go that goes into their um, conditioned cellar um, and it's their uh, reference uh, um, samples and they can go back and if there's ever a, you know, a customer raises an issue. Um, And they can establish what the packaging run was. They can go back and try that beer. But then they also have a sensory panel that tests beer up and and they decide when they find their beer is still acceptable. Um, And that's a great thing. And they're willing to say, um, 270 days, we'll back our product up until that. Yeah. And so they put a lot of thought into that um, best before date. Um, whereas, you know, and one of the things, and I don't want to start the war again, but, you know, one of the issues around stone is, um, stone are awesome in that they put a, um, you know, born on date, um, which is great. So consumers have that in in the U S in most of the U S they have a 90 to 120 day, um, you know, best before date. Um, and they do a lot of communication around this is when our beers are best before and they're the hop characters and we don't think you should be drinking our beer at a later date and to me there is a disconnect between that and then just slapping a 12-month use by date or best before date on the product that they send to Australia and say well that's what we have to do for the retailers the retailers are demanding that Um, because to me they're not putting sensory around that they're not testing it it's an arbitrary best before date that as, as i said during the uh, good beer week panel you know a better way of describing that would be you know perfectly acceptable by or you know n- not shitty by date um because it's absolutely not in their in in the brewery's own opinion it's not their best before date um and it, it, it's a really great conversation and i think it's really relevant that um stoner would have done that so uh that answers why it's news
1: that's it no, and uh, <laughs> it doesn't. It's a roundabout sort of way of saying yes, James. It's news now,
0: so, but it, it doesn't explain why there were cans used in the bottled-on dates story.
1: Well, I thought it did because, like you say, it's, it's very difficult to actually get that uh, an image that would have, yeah. But anyway, that, that's beside the point. Um, so, yeah, look. At the end of the day, Best Buy. Any dates on bottles are a good way to determine which is, you know. In that very subjective way uh, australia's best beer another way that you can work out which are australia's best beers is beer cartel's uh, 2017 ultimate top 50 beer list uh so the guys over at um at beer cartel have raked through and i i just wonder how many beers they needed to get through to actually do this but the gab's hottest 100 rate beer untapped and beer advocate ratings and have come up with a, a top 50 list
0: yeah, they absolutely have. I mean, beer cartel who potential conflict uh, ringing bell um, are sponsors of our letter of the week. Um, but that's not, again, that's not why we're discussing it. It's it, it's one of the things. One of the things you can guarantee a meltdown Facebook discussion is posting reference to a beer being the best beer in hottest 100, and you're going to get all of these people going. Oh, how can you rate that when Fat Yak Ales is in the uh, hottest 100 as well? Um, yeah. And it completely misses the point. Um, and you know, rate beer and beer advocate are, you know, appealing uh, appeal to a certain very ve- pointy end, very limited demographic, um, untapped. Um, you know, and I would say that um, rate beer and um, beer advocate aren't really even the tickers anymore. It's the people who love engaging in really hard discussions untapped to me is the 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 people who want to show how many beers that they've checked in and how many styles and get there and it's 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 been gamified you get your your, your, collecting
1: badges yeah yeah
0: so what 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 the um beer cartel guys have done is that they've looked at those four different lists and tried to um balance you know the 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 various ratings against each other to come up with a um hottest you know like a a top 50 ultimate top 50 yeah, which again, you know, and, and and not to become one of those Facebook people, but what does top mean? Because hottest, I think, you know, is a fairly clear. It's the vibiest. It's the thing that people are talking about. It's the you know, it, it's what people are drinking. And we had that nice little metric um, distribution versus hype squared. So a really well distributed beer is likely to factor well if. People are motivated to talk, and that's where the hype squared comes in because a really limited edition beer that has everyone talking is going to do really, really well. Um, but what does top fifty mean? Because the thing I noticed about this list, and we've talked about doing this list in the past, Prof. Um, the thing, a similar style of list is these are all beer insider lists that um, you know are, are skewed towards a certain demographic. And I would argue that none of them actually have a qualitative component.
1: No, but I think what the guys have done is they've said, you know what, here's some lists that are already there. If we kind of transmogrify them and, uh, you know, run them through the uh, ready reckoner and through the slide rule, what does what do the, the combination of, the, you know, we stir the pot, what's the cake that, that ends up um, as a result? Absolutely, which, which I like because it's, it's it's information that you, the the drinker and the um, you know social media uh, contributor, have already determined to be you know uh, the four point five out of five or the you know the, the hottest one hundred or untapped you know the one that's most checked in, whatever it might be. Don't know. It's just it's, I, I just like the way that it's getting the the conversation started, um, and also f- should give a bit of a shout out because you you can go to the beer cartel website, beercartel.com.au and There's download in the show notes. But go and have a look at the website anyway, because it's pretty good. Um but yeah they've they've come up with a like an ebook, a free downloadable ebook, which includes toasting notes for each of the beer um and you know where to get it, presumably through beer cartel. Well why, why
0: wouldn't you? But that, that's a great initiative from the guys. Yeah, th- th- this list is a marketing exercise for them and they want to spark discussion because people are going to then be discussing the beer cartel top fifty beer list.
1: Well, it's also a nice lead-in because they're about to launch the two thousand and eighteen craft beer survey. They are, they are. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes. But just before we move off uh, this, so
0: looking at, um, you know, looking at something that's called the top fifty, you know, I, I still worry that that actually murkies the water as opposed to clarifies the water, um, which may
1: or may not be their, their intent. Uh, so I I, com- I completely disagree because it's um, it, it's keeping the conversation going or it's starting a new version of an old conversation. Um, and look, I must admit, the shit stirrer in me just says, I just can't wait for the comments. Yeah, yeah. No, and and, and very true. And very true. But to me- I'm, um, I'm cooking up a big, extra large bucket of popcorn as we speak.
0: Okay. But just just breaking down the, the list itself and go and have a look at it. Um, there are more stouts featured in the list than any other beer style. 31% versus 25% for IPA and 18% for pale ales. Now, to me, that you know really highlights the floor in a list like this because- when You look at what people are actually drinking, there that is completely reversed by several orders of you know, um, magnitude. Um, and you're thinking, well, what does top mean then with beer? Because to me, you know, the best beers are ones that people want to drink and want to drink, you know, um, and a lot of people want to drink stouts are one of those beers that you that people you know still don't have a big um, you know,
1: footprint in the market. Oh, like and, yeah, no, no, but it, but I mean. Is it because this they've taken it now where many of the states in Australia have have had a bit of a of cooler weather and perhaps uh, more stouts have been purchased? I mean, I don't know from memory, I think up in Brisbane winter fell on a Wednesday last year. So I mean you guys don't get a lot of stout drinking weather to be fair so perhaps you're a bit more skewed towards you know lighter oh, geez, brighter mate, it's styles a, it's a chilly 22 degrees today i think i might be cracking a stout today <laughs> well, i had my well, yeah just come back from uh, from sydney on the um uh 10 past stupid o'clock the last flight out of sydney into melbourne so we got, we landed about midnight and so by the time i got home i was sort of still a bit you know i had a coffee you know because i still had a 40 minute drive from the airport um and uh the very nice people at Little Creatures, uh, shout out to them, had uh, has sent me a beautiful pair of socks um, wrapped around a couple of uh, tins of um, the Fuggle is real. their uh, winter seasonal stout. So actually, I, I had a stout last night. So had I been uh, on one of the social media platforms, I may have said, you know, currently drinking. So does that skew the figures? And I get that. I guess
0: uh, you know, and it's not dissing the list at all because they they have done that, and it's very much a beer geeks list where they've punted out
1: beers like Fat Yak and James Squire. Uh, if you're just going pure volume, then uh, and I think going back a few years, Little Creatures Pale, which we've already given a shout out to, then Daylight, then Fat Yak, um, then probably Mountain Goat Steam in terms of you know volume, and then and then probably you know Four Pines Pale or, or something like that. Those are probably swung around a little bit with particularly beers like like Pirate Life, um, even uh, Modus Operandi. I, I sort of see a lot more of um, around the place without giving away the list for those who are going to download it, their free copy. Um, but at oh, number three. I, I don't I, think we need to worry too much about a spoiler alert for, for the list. There's lots of discussion. <laughs> Nail, stout, clout, uh, clout, stout. So at 180 bucks or whatever, 130 bucks a bottle, that's a pretty impressive top three. And um, John Stalwood, presumably off the back of his um, trophy at uh, the AIBAs and the medal at the World Beer Cup the week before that, he must be retiring because if if he sold enough Clout Stout to make it number three on the Ultimate Top Fifty list just for this year, he's retiring surely.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and, and I, again, I get it. But four of the top ten are Imperial Stouts, and and it's not about volume um, because you know I would argue that James Squire Porter, gold medal at the World Beer Cup, only sells three hundred thousand litres, um, and I, I understand around about three hundred thousand litres, I believe. Um,
1: and you and I use a fair swag of that just on our own whenever we're doing a um, uh, a, a taste. You know, many of our corporate tastings where yep. you want to get you know something that's going to be easily available. Um, and, and I don't know about you, but you know, a lot of the ones that I do, we've got to get, go through our catering company and here are the suggested beers. So oh if, yeah 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, if, yeah. If Squire Porter's there, you go yeah. It, it's a it's a gimme. That's you know don't mind using that at all because it is such a great beer.
0: But a list in which thirty one percent of the beers are stouts. <laughs>
1: And the gold medal winner at the World Beer Cup isn't. Hey, even even the uh, AIBA trophy for best stout slash porter wasn't a stout. It was Holgate Temptress. Oh, Holgate Temptress. Uh, yeah, yeah, again.
0: But uh, again, so it was a, a a trophy winner. Um, and in a list that is replete with stouts, um, is Holgate. Let me just have a quick. Uh, Holgate's uh, highest entry and only entry is forty-five. Forty-five. So, yeah. yeah. So again, you know, I'm, I'm going okay. Well, if there's thirty-one percent of the of the fifty are stouts, and the AIBA trophy winner and the World Beer Cup, which is the only gold medal importers in the world this year, doesn't make the list. Is the list helping or hindering in terms of uh, educating people about quality and hype?
1: It's starting the conversation, Matt. Or it's <laughs> and, we're, and we're continuing it here on Australian <laughs> Exactly, Hey, Prof,
0: can I say, it's been a long time since you and I have uh, locked horns over issues the way we have today. I'm, I'm uh, I think we'll be getting some positive cards and uh, letters. Um, I'm running on no sleep
1: here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm punchy.
1: <laughs> yeah, very very early start and a very late finish, and uh, I can only hear you through one ear at the moment. So <laughs> ain't we well, there, raggedy that's, man?
0: <laughs> that, that, that's my every day, <laughs> as you know.
1: I know. Um, now no, one of my one of my ears hasn't um, you know re-centralised or it uh, hasn't popped yet. But anyway.
0: Go to the uh, Beer Cartel Top 50 list and tell us what you think. Does it help or does it hinder the conversation about what Australia's top
1: beers are? Most importantly, talk about it.
0: In garden, what a garden. Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. Matt, are you okay?
1: Matt, I am okay. That's good. That's our next
0: story. Let's not make light of, uh, you know, what is a, an increasingly um, discussed issue about, uh, you know, sort of mental health in the beer industry. We've seen, uh, like, uh, Luke um, Robertson from All Over Time posted a very, uh, you know, uh, like a very soul-bearing um, post about uh, his own Battleton could be hunting. And, uh, you know, it, it, it is a conversation that's happening. And it, it's something that, prof, you know, you did the man challenge Um uh, three years ago now, and I and I've noticed that whenever you and I are out, um, and sometimes it's practical, but you know, you are a very moderate drinker. You keep a, a very close eye on how much you're drinking, because the opportunity for us to drink, um, you know, is just—it's always there. I beg people to have coffee meetings these days, um, yeah. because everyone just wants to. It's it's that sort of industry, and you know, during Good Beer Week, you see a lot of people who are very unwell, um, and. You know, and it it is potentially an issue that the industry that it's the industry's dirty little secret. And uh, last week, um, the Morning Advertiser uh, in the UK um, posted a story: beer industry not discussing mental health and alcohol link. And it was a story that Sean Hill um, from Hill Farmstead, which is one of the uh, most hyped uh, breweries, was quoted as talking about his own battles with uh, alcohol and talking about this. And the article was posted uh, and has had an incredibly positive response. Um and you think, well, that's awesome, he's come outspoken. until shortly afterwards, there was a uh, long post from Sean on the beer advocate um, forums that were discussing it. essentially, not disowning the comments, but it was the undercurrent was it was quite angry that that he'd been, if not taken out of context the story had been given undue uh, priority and he'd, be, he'd felt a little bit sideswiped by suddenly waking up and getting you know hundreds of text messages saying, mate, are you OK? And you know, good on you for speaking out when he hadn't been um, I- expecting it. So it, it's generated, quite apart from the really healthy discussions about the unhealthy industry that we um, sometimes inhabit, it, it, it's talking about the way that journalists go about getting stories. And beer journalists are, are no different to that
1: yeah i um, i don't know where i stand on this because i i look at you know, i'm very cautious of 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 uh, people using headline to create a causal link in all honesty the longer i live the more wiser I, the wiser i get and the more i realize that every single one of us has mental health issues the difference is is how we each cope with them because right. you know the, the, the world's just getting you know faster and more complex and all that sort of thing, and we've either got more spare time or we don't have enough spare time and all this and family and work and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I've just had the pleasure of uh, finishing off for the second time um, Three Sheets of the Wind by by Pete Brown, which kind of looks at the various drinking cultures around the world, but which actually in the end he kind of realised was – shining a spotlight on the fact that the whole purpose of beer is to make people happy is to is to put that bit of buzz on it's to take away the mundane and 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 allow you to get to a level where you become more sociable and the the good uh, elements of your personality are are allowed to shine without um you know the restraints of of um uh, inhibition and that sort of thing so i kind of look at that i think we're the luckiest people in the world because at the end of the day you know there's, there's nothing better than uh, um alistair and i who um, flew to sydney yesterday went to popped into grifter and saw matt and glenn there and didn't actually have a beer with them because the guys were, were just on their way out and we were just sort of just having a sneaky because we'd um we've been basically watching 360 tons of grain uh, being turned into you know, billions of liters of potential beer, but couldn't have a beer. So all we wanted to do at the end of the day was just sit down and have a beer and the clink of glasses and both drinking the same, it, it was just gorgeous. It was just, you know, uh, in a very manly way, but it was a really special sort of moment. And I'm thinking that like, that's good for my mental health. I, I do totally get that there's also, you know, the other side of it, but I don't know. I just want to put that out there that I, I I'm just cautious. But to, but to me, that is
0: that is a little bit like the top uh, 50 list. It, it's it's talking about it because, you know, I regard as amongst the best feelings, uh, you, know, you know, of living is that first beer you have um, when you've been working very hard, you of sit down and the alcohol's starting to tickle the neurons and it spreads out and you just get that feeling of, you know, wellness and relax and and that is one of the reasons why we are hardwired to drink um and, and I genuinely believe that that's a evolutionary thing um but then I also balance that with uh in the industry we're in and the jobs that we do and I'm sure it's for people who aren't even in the industry you know I'll be sitting at my desk come five o'clock and there is a little there's just a little switch that flicks goes oh it's time to have a beer um and it's not based on need it's not based on desire it's not based on reward it's not based on social because um that's when i you know that's often when i'll do my testing and things like that because i don't like to drink during the day it makes me unproductive but i've gotten into this habit of you know at five o'clock um you know that's when i'll if i've got beers to taste that's when i'll do it because it's an appropriate
1: hour and that's your fred flintstone sliding down the tail of the brontosaurus um and you know pulling the parrot's tail absolutely but Then
0: I find myself that, you know, oh, um, I'm cooking, you know, so I'll do that. And then I'm cooking dinner. Oh, I have a beer when I'm cooking dinner. And then, oh, just have one uh, with dinner. And, you know, then uh, just sitting here in front of the TV, I've had a couple of beers. You know, they were pretty good. I'm going to have another one. And then, you know, and, and, I, and I just sort of find that there is a, there is a habit um, that can come with that. And, you know, then as people like to say, you're relaxing the fuck out of the joint um, because you, you sort of had four or five beers and um, you, you, it, it kills your productivity and, you know, so you're, you're not getting the chores done or that sort of thing because you're, you're, you're relaxing. Um, and, you know, and there is a, like a, Negative shame spiral that comes. oh, Jeez, I didn't get done what I'd. You know, and 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 that's you yeah, know, arguably. Yeah. The, and, and and then you've got the health concerns. You know that. You know, I don't know where the meter really sits on. Um, you know what? You, how many units of alcohol you should consume? But I know that I consume more than the the, the even at fairly moderate consumption. In my view, um, I'm consuming more than I'm told is uh, is is healthy. Um, yeah. So so look, like it's a great issue um, and to, to discuss, but the second part of that is, you know, was it fair to, you know, spend 95% of the interview with Sean talking about completely other things? And then apparently he'd discussed something on a Good Beer Hunting podcast and there was a follow-up question to that. And that led to a little bit of a discussion that um, suddenly has become the complete focus of that interview when, um, you know, it wasn't the focus of the interview, it wasn't something that Sean particularly wanted to highlight the way that it became highlighted. And was it fair to, to him that the journalist took some um, comments that Sean doesn't resolve from, but suddenly makes
1: a whole story out of it without you know, maybe even because, getting back yeah, to Yeah, the it. epicenter of the, of the story, whereas it was actually just a not a throwaway line, but yeah, it was it was not the key issue. Yeah. Um. That no, for sure. I mean, look, definitely worth discussing, and you know, I'd I'd really love to hear feedback from the listeners, particularly those who are brewers, because I know you know, Sean does make some really interesting points in the in the piece about sort of the like the the style of the lifestyle, um, and particularly I guess if you're, let, let's say, you know, a rock star brewer, and you're traveling a lot, um, I, I found for my physical sort of well being, um. Uh, being a creature of habit actually worked really well. My metabolism responds really well to sort of eating at certain times and eating certain things and all that sort of thing. And when you're away, it's just difficult. You don't have access to, you know, your, your beautifully stocked pantry where everything's in order and you know, this is what I have for you know, first snack, second snack, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Plus you're traveling, your body clock's out. Uh, you might be sitting for longer periods where normally you, um, you know, you walk down to the shops to buy bread or, you know, whatever it might be. So there's all those sorts of things that come into it as well, um, the, the lifestyle factor. Um, and I remember chatting with uh, Josh Collins from um, from Black Bunny when they moved up from Brisbane, and a lot of that was, you know, the the stress of working in, the, in that corporate kind of hospitality space, and and then kind of, uh, you know, getting treated poorly, um, moving up the sunny coast. But then I thought, okay, so you lived sort of just up the road? He goes, no, no, we actually, you know, we made a conscious choice to to live a 15-minute drive away because it allows for that decompression. So you kind of you can listen to the radio, you can you know shout at the stupid talkback callers, or um, you know sing along to a, an 80s tune or whatever. And before you know it, you've kind of left work where it is, rather than just taking it home with you metaphorically.
0: Yeah, and mate. I, look, I work from home. Look, I'm sitting 20 feet from my bedroom, and you know, I, as I said to you when we were teeing up the podcast, I got out of bed this morning, had a cup of coffee brought to me, and I spent two and a half hours straight on the computer. Before I then went and had a shower, um, and I'm really conscious that that's not a healthy lifestyle. And but th- that's true of a lot of people who work in the industry, um, whether it's hospitality um, or brewing. It, it's it's very hard to separate yourself.
1: Yeah, and if you're promoting promoting your brand, it's uh, there's a fair chance you're doing it after work hours, you know, at a pub, finishing late, and and chatting to punters and and all that sort of thing. So yeah, we, we totally appreciate that. Uh, you know, this lifestyle that we choose um, has its uh, limitations. You just got to, I guess, it's it's that whole work-life balance mm. um, has, has got to come into it. But it, it, look, great, a great topic, and, and hopefully, as I say, uh, I re- can only reiterate. Uh, I hope we get some cards and letters. Kind of um, give it. Give me a, your opinion. About all of the topics,
0: but uh, actually, probably, and, and just before we completely uh, move on from that one, to any listeners uh, who, if we're ever out, and or you come to an event that I do or anything like that, you know, if I, um, you know, sort of present, hang around for about 20 minutes afterwards and take off, it's absolutely because, you know, Prof, you and I could be out hosting events or at tastings or dinners, you know, five nights a week, um, and... We need to be really choosy about which ones we stay on and and have a beer. And I, I had a chat with this regular listener and author of Pacey's Poser, Paul Pacey, in um, in Melbourne. I just happened to catch up with him at Beer Deluxe, and uh, you know it was one of the things we talked about. You know, I just I, I, I do an event, and as much as I'd love to hang around and have a beer and a long chat and settle in, you just can't. I mean, because you'd you'd be out drinking every night um, if that was the case.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent.
0: And as you have commented, I'm a I'm a known smoke bomber.
1: Oh, and I've got to admit, I've learned from the best. I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting good at it too. I even smoke bombed you after the OBA. At the so. you did. Waters. Yes. I was I was I was just channeling Stevie Winwood. When you see a chance, then take it. <laughs> so I could either be here for another hour and a half, and I just I leading into uh, three day days of gabs. You know. uh, yep. Just yeah, no, no, there were going to be no winners. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, so you need to be a little bit more choiceful, as a good friend of ours does. Uh, that's says. right. And out to Vincent if you are listening. Um, fond memories. It's just back when we weren't regular. Uh, speaking of regular, letter of the week. With thanks to our friends at Beer Cartel, the six pack to give away. Um, I've only just sort of started catching up on my uh, emails after being away for a couple of days. I've got one that's just come here um, from a, a young bloke called uh, Jim. Uh, hi, everyone. Just a quick note to let you know that I've finished up with Bruce News, effective from today. <laughs> it's been three plus awesome years and I wish Matt, Pete and the team the best of luck. Oh, hang on. Jim, At- oh, James, James Atkinson. James Atkinson, yes. Was that a nice subtle little segue? Just slotted that in. <laughs> it was. It was, I was kind of like slotted- a reverse smoke bomb. Oh, I was wondering where
0: you were going <laughs> with that. Um, but uh, yeah, no, and, and uh, yeah, James Atkinson, who's been with the site for three years and has seen it uh, grow you know, very, very strongly in terms of the editorial coverage. And he's put a lot of discipline around like uh, it'd be fair to say prof that in the early days of bruise news um the cannons were rolling around the deck um <laughs> they, they they weren't always tied down and uh, there was i, I certain- felt like
1: the boy on the burning deck i was just kind of <laughs> running around with the mop just dodging rolling cannons <laughs>
0: But at the same time, you know, like, it, God, I mean, I, I look at some of the, the issues that we took on, and you know, in in, in a small way, um, you know, Bruce News brought about the ACCC's most significant um, intervention in the beer industry um, around our coverage of the Byron Bay um, issue that no one really wanted to touch because it was a, a hard issue. Um, you know, I, I don't know how much credit we can take for changing the recipe of uh, Crown Lager um, back to... Actually, well, having well,
1: four, no, four let's not put too fine a point on it, Matt. You, you rewrote the history.
0: I, well, the history, um, yes, their, their marketing uh, was significantly changed, and, and that was all, uh, you know, again in in, uh, in, in a time when uh, the, the writing style was pro- possibly a little bit more loose. And uh, James you know, um, came to it with a very uh, professional uh, journalist uh, hat, and uh, you know has, has broadened the coverage and, and done it very, very well. Um, and he's done it. I've learnt that you can report the story, and you don't have to double underline the uh, ridiculousness of a media release. Sometimes subtlety does that for you.
1: <laughs> and d- have you learnt from James that you don't need to uh, say the same thing three different ways just to avoid being misconstrued or misunderstood? No,
0: because the second no. I don't <laughs> say th- things three different ways, I get
1: mad. Did you said, mean this? <laughs> How dare <laughs> you? <laughs>
0: So yeah, no, um, and thank you for making uh, light of that on stage at the uh, AIBAs. Um, but uh, yeah, no, look, it's uh, this isn't about me. This is about James, and uh, yeah, no, it's been uh, three years that he's made a very significant contribution, and uh, you know, it, it it is hard reporting on you know, there's the small little beer world. And uh, James uh, has got, uh, has been doing freelance writing for a much wider um, range of uh, beverages. And uh, I, I think he's going to be popping up uh, writing a lot more freelance uh, to, to a much wider audience. So uh, yeah, no, James, thank you if you are listening. Um, Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, all the best for all of your future endeavours. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll uh, still get him back as a uh, casual guest on uh, Radio Brews News.
1: Yeah, for sure. And uh, next month, I think we can announce now that um, thanks to our friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a six pack as well as the title of the new editor of Australian Brews News. So (laughs) get the cards and letters coming in. Reasonable spelling and just a cold hard grip of grammar wouldn't hurt. It's
0: stepping in in an editorial capacity but um, we, we do have uh, a couple of great uh, writers coming on so uh, you will be seeing some uh, new voices
1: uh, 100% and on that note let's um, yeah smack this thing on the butt and ride it on home uh, thanks very much for listening thanks very much to uh, uh, all of you who support and or sponsor in any way um, the Radio Bruce News network that inc- incorporates beer as a conversation and um, great chat with uh, like the um the Clarence Meeks episode of Beer's Conversation this week with the uh, the hop the hop uh, the hop report.
0: The hop report. I, yeah, I, I actually asked OJ. With OJ. I asked OJ whether he'd ever seen Trading Places. because I was going to bring that in, and uh, he he remembers it very vaguely, but doesn't remember Clarence Beeks and the frozen concentrated orange juice uh, <laughs> report. But uh, it 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 is one of the things that we uh, cover um, annually. Um, and anyone that listened to it, uh, you know, you're, you're always are It's one worried.
1: constant gag. We do it every year.
0: Yeah, it, it is, and but you know, the, it's one of those stories that we do cover. Um, and I guess some people might ask whether it's uh, commercially sponsored. and It's absolutely not. It's just one of those no, organic stories that uh, that grows because, a- as I discussed with OJ in, in the in the thing, if you want to get a read on the, the beer industry um, and and where industry thinks it's going, as opposed to where us beer geeks talk about, oh yeah, this is the future. Those guys need to be planning three and four years in advance for, you know, gee, do we have enough Galaxy? Do we have enough, um, you know,
1: Where are trends going? Yeah, is is is, is going to be replaced by you know we we're going to start you know Fuggles or uh, East Kent Goldings or you know something like that? Because it takes a long so, time for hops to come on to commercially. Yeah. Violent, so so, yeah.
0: so look, it's a really fascinating chat with OJ about what's happening and if you if you're interested in uh you know some of the the, the macro trends of the industry uh go jump on and listen to beers of conversation done and done and on that note thanks again matt thanks prof chat next week
1: and we're out